This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Swindon Town. Oh, Joe, it's hot. It could be too hot. It could be too hot. Hello, Joe. How are you? Uh, doing well. A uh, bit drained, as you say, from the sun and everything that comes with it. But, you know, it's been a fun week for me. How about yourself? Yeah, not as fun for me. It's been hot. I've got to go back to the office two days a week. Boo-hoo. But tell me, Joe, what's Advertowers like? I, I quite enjoyed it. It's air-conditioned. So um, I was only in... I started officially on Wednesday. Um and I'm only in, I was only in one day in the office, but it was a glorious experience. I got outside and didn't realise it had been 31 degrees. It was a big, it was a big sort of slap in the face when I got outside to go home. But yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty nice in there. A bit tense this week, the, certainly the day I was there, but <laughs> it's been place to be. I think tense is the right word for it. Um, I too was um, comfortably air conditioned dare I say, complaining that it was too cold in my office today. And then when I left um, the section of the building where I'm based and it felt like I was getting off a plane, you know, somewhere in the Mediterranean, I stopped complaining. Yeah, I mean, since since I've been home the last two days working from home, it's been, I think, um, you know, the windows in the room that I'm in, you can open like a jar or um, basically take them off. And they've both been basically off. Just to see if I can get any sort of reason. It's it's tough. It's tough. We'll be complaining next week that it's too rainy. Oh well, never mind. Oh, Joe, it's been a it's been quite a week, hasn't it? It's definitely been a week. That's that's um yeah. It's, it was an interesting interesting place to start, especially uh, beginning at the advertise the day after things happened. Yep, 
so much so some fans blamed you for for an article that was out despite it not being your name on it or having officially started yet i didn't actually know people were blaming me um i mean you didn't go ahead i I didn't have anything to do with it i I saw i saw one person put it down to um, because they just started the job they're just trying to make an impression um and it took another swindon fan to uh, remind them that that particular journalist has been in the other for quite some time. So, uh, or certainly longer than a day um, or minus one day. Yeah, so, certainly longer than I'd been there by, by the time it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, I'd, see, I'd seen what it was based on the previous week, but I'd, I had no involvement in that particular story. Not guilty, Your Honour. So the, the week started with the advertiser doing its Axis article. Later, there would be a, a clarification article on top of that. We had Michael Flynn on the BBC. That was nice. Um, we had a trust update at the end of the week relating to the questions, and the questions that they posed will be answered within the September advisory board minutes. Some huge noises about the potential exit of CEO Rob Angus not confirmed at time of recording no real credible reporting or noises on a lot of the stories this week beyond the advertiser sort of side of things We, we, we will record an episode I am the reason why we haven't recorded one yet I just I think some people some listeners i don't know might think i get some sort of giddy thrill out of doing these bonus pods or anything that involves any sort of peril whether it's significant or mild i don't i find it quite (laughs) quite a stressful endeavor but we will do a third because we've got a little bit more to talk about but shall shall we keep this presser on just presser matters because they actually talk about the opposition in the in this one yeah we um stayed so far clear of the off-field stuff that we actually talked about the other team for the first time in forever and um you said um before we started that you weren't aware of Sutton's reputation no I wasn't I wasn't I'm rubbish at this sort of stuff and I I I do a um a Sutton pod for the as an opposition fan and I enjoy doing it they made a couple of references about like oh because it's us and what we do and I was just like what do you mean? Is it just because like you're a non-league side or something, or you know, historically a non-league side? And at the end, they were like, "Oh yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna think you're gonna beat us because we're just Sutton." And then I went, "Well, I was asked to summarize what I would tell to the players before the game, and I just went with lads, it's Sutton four 0 win." When asked <laughs> for the prediction, I did it for satire, but now I think it's gonna come back and haunt me. It does a bit to, to rub them the wrong way, it would sound like. But oh. yeah, I mean, from your perspective, it must have been like they were talking about the West Ham way or something, some <laughs> thing that doesn't really exist. No, no, no. So a lot of Sutton talk, but really geared towards... <laughs> it was just you and Andrew Hawes this week, uh, BBC Radio Wiltshire, of course. Uh, no total anymore. Lazy previous journalist, not bothering, I hear. Yeah, and, and it was so polite. Before we get into it, I just want to highlight how funny it was polite that neither you or Andrew could say that they played hoofball, negative, rubbish, ugly football you just sort of prefer to the way Sutton play <laughs> yeah I mean I think one of those things like you said you, you don't want to put too much of a jinx on things even in a press conference situation but I mean I quite like the way Sutton play I think it's quite fun I remember going there the first time we played them away from home at Gander Green Lane 
Um, we blew them off the park that night, but mm. this their goalkeeper was taking free kicks in the Swindon half. Yeah, I, I just think what they do is a lot of fun. I quite like it. Yeah, and uh, last season's home game, the three-two was a, a wonderful little spa. <laughs> it was with Will Randall scoring his two goals. It was great fun, and what we scored very, very late on with uh, the no longer Swindon Town forward Jake Wakeling scoring, I believe. But yeah, I've got no, I've got no beef with Sutton United but my goodness the questions were certainly <laughs> negative towards them let's get cracking though it feels like a long time thankfully since that nil-nil draw um, at Doncaster Rovers not the worst result in the world a little bit frustrating that it was nil-nil given the fact that they went down to 10 men early on and also a barnstorming entrance to your advert career nil-nil yeah 750 words on that wasn't the easiest I was I, I think I said to Andrew after the game that when I started commentating on Bath City um and doing sort of halves I think I went about four or five halves in a row with no goals in them and it, I was kind of getting flashbacks that thing oh god is it going to be like that again Hope, hopefully Sutton will dispel that but yeah, I mean, I had a quite a fun afternoon just sat in the sun watching some football, to be honest. But yeah, it was it was not the best performance from Swindon, certainly. Um, a fair bit way below the bar they've set themselves so far. But not the end of the world. Oh, absolutely not. He's still undefeated at the end of the day. Another clean sheet. Murphy Mahoney seemed quite pleased afterwards. Um, you know, there's, there's quite easy areas to build. And, you know, Doncaster did sit in quite significantly, which makes it quite hard, generally speaking, to try and break a team down. It absolutely does. So the reason we, we start with the Doncaster game, because I think pretty much everything has been said about it, was that Michael Flynn was asked about lessons learned post-Doncaster and how the players react to those sort of instructions from the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, again, we kind of heard this last season that he was he was pleased with the way that, uh, that Scott Lindsay kept saying he was pleased the way Swindon bounced back from a disappointing game when they failed to score, score enough goals. But um, he, he said he, he was really complimentary about his players in terms of you know, they've, they've been trying to give the most sort of constructive and clear way of describing the way that um, they need to do better against Doncaster and the players have applied themselves very well this week. So you know, in terms of a reaction, if we to take Michael Flynn on face value, he's been, he's been very pleased by the week's. So subsequently. Well, there we go. Doncaster, it's done. We move on. Uh, Jake Young is the League Two Player of the Month. Lovely for everyone concerned, but a little bit of downplaying by Flynn on this one. He loves a good downplay. I'm pretty sure we've asked him about Jake Young before. Um, it might have been after he'd been nominated but um, uh, for a different award, possibly. But uh, he immediately said, oh, I don't care about him. Uh, individual awards as long as all I want is a is a team award at the end of the season and he's of course right and um, f- followed that back again um, his quotes on the official um, press release on the Swiss Town website were slightly more positive than the ones he actually gave in person but yeah he was he's um, a couple of times now not wanted to heap praise on too many players but I guess if your hope is to try and uh, get Jake Young's value as down as far as possible, then maybe that's practical. Yeah, I see why you want to keep them grounded and all that malarkey. But he had a tough time last season, and in his first month of the, of the new season, he scored four in a game. He started really well. He's got an award. Can we just say that I'm really pleased for the guy? You know, what's wrong with with that approach? Why does it have to be? You know. Well, if we've got awards at the end of the season, then I, that's all I care about. God, I, I'm not an individual sort of award person to a degree, but I certainly think there's there's an argument that you can say, Do you know what? Well done. 
yeah, I think I think you'd be perfectly entitled to say both. No, you, you could yeah. say at the same time we're very proud of Jake and what he's achieved so far, but also we want team success at the end of the season. Not this kind, of, not necessarily wanting these awards. I think before he said, you know, if you get these awards awards along the way, then it's a positive thing. But yeah, I I, I do agree that I think we found a few times already this season that Michael Flynn likes to be positive when things aren't as positive and likes to be slightly more grounded when things are more positive. And that's yeah. just, I think, the way he's going to be. Yeah, and there's nothing, you know, when Manager of the Month awards come in, it's it's not about me, it's about the whole team and then the club take a picture of the support staff, which is what Richie Wellens used to do, wasn't it? So it, it, it can work either way. I think it can work both ways. It, this This feels like I'm being overly critical for no reason. I just... I just don't see why we can't celebrate an achievement and not worry about the end of the season just yet. Just be like, you know what? What a great start. You were expected to start the season on the bench, sir, and you've gone and proven that you're one of the best players in the division at this moment in time. Yeah, I think when something is fairly black and white in terms of being a positive, like Jake Young winning player of the month, and as you say, I think not only expect to start on the bench, but probably expect to be fourth choice striker for Swindon coming into the season based on the way he played at Barrow last season, but came out he's come out of the charts and been brilliant and proves that, you know, we need to be checking who who isn't getting games at Barrow at the moment, because two seasons in a row we've got someone pretty good off of their bench. Let's move to injury chat then. So we know about Reese Devine. He doesn't really hold back Michael Flynn on that, given the severity of the injury. I'd be very surprised if we see Divine play again the way Michael Flynn sort of talks about poor old Reese Divine. Tom Clayton doesn't sound like he's a million miles away, but there's also, unfortunately, a, a bit of a 50 50 with somebody who might have been needed this weekend. Yeah, Liam Kinsella probably would have expected to start this weekend if he'd been fit, given that Saidi Khan is with Gambia this week with a pretty crunch qualifier for them. Um, but as the, for the same reason that kept him out of last weekend's game against Doncaster, um, he possibly won't be making this one either. And uh, Flynn's answer to a separate question about Khan would probably lead you to believe that he probably won't play this weekend. But he's um, he's been feeling his hamstring uh, apparently ahead of Doncaster, and that is still playing up with him. Um, he's, I think Flynn even said during the fans' phone in the week that that had still been a potential problem. He he said they're going to take a, a late um, decision on him, but it doesn't sound like Kinsella will be starting. Like He probably would have hoped for Swindon's backup holding midfielder with the other one being on international duty. Before we, we move on to Saidu Khan, Tom Clayton edging ever closer, but still a little while left. Yeah, I, I think from things that have been said before, he's probably about a month away still, Tom Clayton. He has made clear progress when you know whenever I see him around. He definitely seems to be in a better place than the time before, but yeah, he's still not going to be close enough for, for Swindon too soon. I think he's he's still on the long-term list with Rhys Devine when Michael Flynn speaks about these things. Yeah, there's, there does seem to be something a little bit more reliable with, with the uh, the timelines with Flynn than, say, Lindsay, because sometimes, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes it felt like a player was going to be out for ages and then a week later, yeah, he's back in training, he's he's running, and you're like, oh, uh, it sounded far worse before. Yeah, I think that's happened with a couple. I, I always point to Richie Wellens where someone would be injured and they would play or someone wouldn't be injured and they wouldn't play. Um, and Lindsay, as you say, it did feel like timelines were very movable. Um, I mean, you know, medical science could potentially do that, but it does feel like Michael Flynn's been fairly consistent with, I mean, Clayton is probably the first example that we've had in terms of a player with a clear timeline, but 
um, his his seems to have been fairly linear so far. Yeah. Okay then. Saidu Khan is off to Marrakesh on the Marrakesh Express. You could say, oh, there's one for the teenagers playing for the Gambia. Don't know if he'll play or not. Be super super proud of him, wasn't he? Um, Michael Flynn when when talking about that absence. Yeah, he's, he's um you know he's, he said that, and I think you'd be he's very much right to say that Saidu Khan's been a pretty big player for Swindon this season. He's He's, he's felt more reliable than he had been so far. Um, he, Flynn said that he, he'd been a big player for Swindon so far and whoever comes in. Um, the list seemed to start um, with Jake Kane and end with Tyree Shade in terms of the players who he's considering, which would both be certainly not like-for-like replacements to Saidu Khan. Um, but he, he's, he's certainly been very pleased with the way he's performed so far. He's obviously said um, in previous weeks how pleased he's been with the fact that he's getting international recognition as well and um you know he thinks i playing in the next couple of days and they only need a point to make the african cup nation so um hopefully it'll be a big week for him yeah indeed good luck to him and th- there were questions about you know you're a member of the those strangers whatsapp group there are there are members of the uh of the ls pod world that are not fans of saidu khan in any way i'm not to um, a negative on Saidu Khan. You know, he can frustrate his discipline issues last year was annoying, but I, I see his worth, absolutely. I think he's had a very good season so far. And that, and that was really the question by Andrew, wasn't it? It was, given his absence, how hard is it to match what he brings to the side? Yeah, it was It was mostly about, you know, what, what are you missing? Because, I mean, Khan isn't the biggest, but he's certainly a lot bigger than everyone else wouldn't have got in that midfield. I guess Tyree Shade is it would be different, but he'd be... You'd imagine bringing Tyree Shade in would mean moving Dan Kemp slightly deeper, um, if that were to be the choice that's made. Um, and that sort of, you know, he's. I feel like Khan has come on a long way in terms of being able to break up play so far this season. Um, and and yeah, Michael Flynn saying that um, you know, there isn't that like for like replacement because um, what Saidu does isn't really what Kane or Shade or even George McKechnie and Dan Kemp can really do. Um, they're not particularly similar players, but um, they they have got more string, other strings to their bow that Saidu Khan doesn't have, and um, he reiterated that he, he feels like getting that balance will be will be the key here because you know, in a, a certain team that's going to be as mentioned um, very physical and um, and um, are going to test win in that way um, a, a midfield which presumably will be all players five foot nine and under. <laughs> uh, will have a big task in in keeping that kind of discipline and making sure that they win their duels. For sure. Let's have a little break from the squad. Let's talk about potential incomings or cards were close to chest here. What's the transfer update? Well, the, the big update is that an offer is in for a player um, and then something of a tirade about how footballers are choosing to sort of I guess it's. I guess the implication was that they're sitting out and waiting for bigger offers from elsewhere, uh, despite the fact that they've gone a full sum without anyone offering whatever it is that they want as in terms of financial remuneration. Um, and Mark Flynn was disappointed with that, but he he said he's a bit sick of his phone at the moment. I think he maybe he was hoping that the transfer deadline would bring an end to this, but he's been working overtime this week once again trying to get some things sorted. He has a, you know, as I said, a player is making a decision on whether they want to join Swindon. He was hopeful for news by the end of the day. We haven't had any positive news yet, not necessarily uh, the end of the world. They could be announced tomorrow morning, but um, it doesn't sound like 
you know, it it, it does. You would imagine, based on the other things that he said, that him and the other players that he said he, he I think he said there are two or three others is continuing to talk to. Um, that you know that uh, those conversations are still coming down to finances that Swindon don't appear to have. Yeah, the the competitive budget, which feels like um, we're getting gazumped left, right, and centre. So, and the question was. Why is this process taking so long? And Andrew asked that because the fans are asking that question. Yeah, and I think Michael Flynn knows that for sure because the fans asked it on Wednesday. And um, his answer, well, it's not my bloody fault, is it? <laughs> yeah, he's, um, it, it does sound like he's he's getting frustrated once again with the way that players are acting when Swindon are trying to bring them in and they're not jumping opportunity. He said that himself as a player, he always, you know, wanted to back himself and have has the had the philosophy that, you know, if you deserve something, you will eventually get it. And um I, I think Swindon the current Swindon players are being slowly worn down on whatever their wage demands will be when the summer rolls around. Um because Flynn said he he's trying to teach younger he's you know looks to try and impose that message on younger players that um, you know, if you if you work hard enough for something and you actually deserve it, then you will you will be given it. And use Jacob Wakeling as an example of that in terms of the move he's now got to Peterborough United. But yeah, it, it is feeling like that competitive budget, which was competitive but not with the top seven, because certainly the most interesting line of the of the fans phoning this week was that um, Swindon will have outperformed their budget if they're even to make the playoffs this season. Um, is, is not stretching even to players who are free agents in September. No, it doesn't sound competitive, but I'm not going to dwell on that. And respect Flynn, he had to be very careful with his words during this one, because when he was answering the question, the first sentence he put kind of implicated that he was referring to the club. And then he sort of did this wider outreach of it's them. You know, you're going to have to ask them, you know, and it was like, okay, you're clearly talking about the players. And if he didn't add that, or players' agents, I should say, and if he didn't add that, it could have been easily misconstrued. Yeah, definitely. I think when, I'm not going to say the the knives are out, but they are a little bit in terms of um, what's the Swindon have been able to do financially at the moment. Um, And, you know, it is slightly open-ended. You have to ask someone else that it could be down to the, the bean counters higher up that Swindon can't get things done. Um, and you really have to wonder what a budget might be of a squad of 21 players right now, which includes a couple of youth team players. Indeed. And and Flynn was asked whether he had experienced this as a player and it was comprehensively absolutely no chance. Yeah, it was just, I sign every contract that come across, <laughs> comes across my deck. Um, no, we hardly even looking at it. Yeah, he, um, I think he, he's, he um, again, I don't know if this is a, message to someone out there and if it is um i already printed it so hopefully they've seen it um in, in about you know i always felt it was it wasn't about the money necessarily it was about it was about the project and where's the best place for my me to play football you know all the things that jordan henderson thinks about when he picks a club <laughs> yeah and it sort of closed the conversation by our players or our more players or our players these days holding out for contracts um longer i think it, it's 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 a combination of some footballers financially don't need to rush. Some of them are more than happy to take a season off. Now there's more and more examples of players that have a season off, get fit, come back, 
Uh, it's a very risky move. And some of them will be just told to sit still by their agents, whether that's correct advice or incorrect advice. That's the gamble they're willing to take at that moment in their career. I just think it's happening more and more because of those reasons. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a lot of these players are probably waiting on a potential um, you know, injury somewhere else. Michael Flynn brought that up and said, you know, potentially injuries in a different position might leave you wanting. But you know, the, the amount of minutes that these players are going to have to play this season means presumably there are going to be more injuries. So there are going to be a couple of desperate teams coming around at some point you would imagine, and and that increases the potential wage they can get. So they're uh, probably, at this moment in time, fairly happy to sit with what they with what they don't have, knowing that they could potentially come, Swindon might come knocking again and it comes back around to them and they'll be fine. Um, I guess that's the theory. It's not something that Michael Flynn was, was uh, again, not, not too pleased with, and you know, he stressed the, the risk in doing that. But... If, you, if you're getting paid as much as some, no, not tons and tons at lower league level, but a decent salary, if you get if you're getting paid that, you probably are able to sit out for a certain amount of time and wait for whatever it is that you want. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft, and welcome, and I'm on Loath Strangers. But it's so hard for Norwegian, Loath Strangers. Okay, well, before 2021, we'd only played Sutton once in a competitive fixture, an FA Cup tie back in 1981, a 2-1 win. And there's been a lot of 2-1s in this fixture. In fact, all the fixtures, bar one, have resulted in a 2-1 final score, and the other one was a 3-2. So always in terms of the final score, closest affairs. But like you quite rightly pointed out, our first ever league fixture against Sutton was a was a comprehensive 2-1 victory uh, for Swindon Town. And then the return fixture was another 2-1 for Swindon. Davison and McCurdy were a lovely tail end of the season, that was. Uh, then we beat them ooh, almost a year to the day, a midweek fixture, 3-2. Um, win with Shade and Williams and Wakeling scoring for the town. But despite all of these wonderful victories for Swindon, four in a row, the bragging rights belong to Sutton, courtesy of a 2-1 win back in February this year. It was a smash and grab, if I remember rightly, another midweeker where we led through Charlie Austin for ages and ages and ages, and we held on. And then we conceded two uh, right at the end. And it was a bit of a sickener, wasn't it? So Bragg and Wright Sutton, 
Yeah, and, and the thing that I hadn't noticed, because I'm rubbish at this sort of thing, is their style of football. And then I thought, I've, I've heard a lot of references in the last few days about Sutton's tall players. And I just did two searches. I saw Harry Smith, yeah, ex-Swindon. I remember, I remember him being tall, six foot five. I'm going to start calling him Wee Harry Smith, Joe, because his strike partner, Omar Shumney, six foot six. That is remarkable. Um, they've had a pretty rubbish season so far, but the opening day of the season where they stuffed Luke Williams's 10 men, Notts County 5-1, but it's been pretty bleak for them since then. Uh, five games have followed and they've all been losses. A 2-1 loss at Barrow, a 1-0 loss at home, to Gillingham, followed by a 3-0 loss at home to AFC Wimbledon, a 3-1 loss at Newport County, and more recently, a 1-0 home loss to Forest Green Rovers. I think most managers at this stage will probably be under a little pressure, but Matt Gray's got a lot of stock uh, at Sutton, so he might get a little bit more time. Sutton, apparently they play a, a, a negative type of football. Yeah, those are the rumours, aren't they? Um, if if you've got a big man, little man front too, and Harry Smith is a little man, I think that probably lends itself to a certain style of football. Uh, Michael Flynn was, you know, kind of rejecting the sort of football snobbery, potentially, that Andrew and I were far too decent to say out loud, but heavily implied. Oh my um, goodness, so, so implied. And, but um, yeah, he, you know, he was... He was not going to get involved with the this style of football is better than that style of football. And um, no, he, he loves to bring up Rex where he can. And um, that, I guess that's the Newport in him. But he said, no, it's not too dissimilar to the way that Rex and play. Maybe they're not as back to front as as much as Sutton are, but they're certainly a side that love to stick the ball in the box when they can, much like Sutton do. And, um, you know, um, that was that was kind of my big takeaway. Watching Rex and last season and this season's, Kind of, they are they are incredibly direct um, in a slightly different way to Sutton, but still looking to get the ball forward quickly. So you know, if it's good enough for a side that are the Hollywood darlings, then it's, it's got to be good enough for little old Sutton. Yeah, don't worry, listeners. There's going to be more talk about Sutton's play. Good news for you, though, Joe. I know Jack Rose has been playing in goal this season, but Dean Buzanis, uh, the goalkeeper who was taking all of those free kicks uh, from... <laughs> crazy areas on that first game he's back at the club on loan from Reading so you never know he might start this weekend yeah I mean you do have to question a player that Reading can't use at the moment but um, <laughs> I mean he was the reason I was confused they tried to sign Lewis Ward in the first case I was like surely Lord Ward's not gonna be taking all your free kicks but hopefully we'll get to see him uh, a few of those big whips from from Dean Buzanis at the weekend mm. which are uh, which Tom Brook will get his big noggin on. Yes, please. That would be lovely. Okay, then. So I, I don't, I don't know why I got this impression, and Andrew can always reach out and sort of tell me. But it, there was this, there was this sort of feeling of how, how can we get through this side? You know, how can we hurt them? How can we do one of the worst teams in the division damage? What did Michael Flynn say? Yeah, it, it was, I guess, an interesting night. Um, but Michael Flynn, you know, he said that. Obviously, Swindon do have to be alert, and this was something that was uh, echoed by Tariq Uwakwe later on. Um, but Swindon have to, you have to keep switched on, but he, he and be at it. But he felt, you know, if if Swindon play the way they want to, um, they can get the ball down and, and make it a 
a game that's more about possession than, than what Sutton are going to try and pose, then they shouldn't have too many issues. Of course, the one team that were succumbed to, did succumb to the Sutton ball was uh, the, the heaviest possession side in the division in uh, Notts County, who um, there's a brilliant graph on um, Opta Analyst where it's um, the, the, the number of passes per, per move and like direct speed meters per second, so how quickly you move the ball up the pitch. Notts County in a complete league of their own in the bottom right corner of how slowly they move the ball and how many passes they play. So you know, Swindon aren't quite as possession heavy as that, but you know, if there was a team that you could probably compare Swindon to the most, it might be Notts County. Yeah. Oh dear. I'm, I'm just looking at Sutton's form. They only got one point in their last seven games last season. So they've only got four points from their last 15 or so games crazy real bad run that they're on and I think that leads nicely into what Andrew asked next where he was sort of asking like have they been found out now by teams in the EFL like I said earlier in the in the pod I I go on the Sutton podcast and uh, Mike is just one of these fans that's just like I'm a Sutton fan and we're in the EFL this is amazing and he's still he's still riding the wave although I think some of his fellow fans might be starting to get a little bit oh, I don't want to go back into non-league the question was asked are Sutton being found out are, are, are we getting wise to them now and it, it certainly looks like it as a collective doesn't it yeah I mean a team that's that's one that's had that rough of a form is, is clearly they're not having a good time and they came into this league really well. Obviously, uh, a certain West Country side pipped them to the playoffs uh, late on uh, in their first season in the league. And then they were kind of mid-table and finished poorly last season. So I think you have to ask the question, is is their football as effective as, as it once was? Michael Flynn, um, not again, not buying that. He's a he's a big fan of Matt Gray's. Um, as, as you mentioned, it'd be interesting to see. I, I can't imagine there's a manager in the EFL with more credit in the bank than Matt Gray, but interesting to see how long that lasts him if if their form continues this way to see how committed Sutton will be to stay in the football league but I, I don't think Flynn was buying that at all and I think as I mentioned I imagine if there was a team who would struggle a little bit against Sutton's physicality it would be a team whose tallest player is 6-1 and that would be Swindon Town. <laughs> oh yeah indeed yeah I mean I've Got to show plenty of respect to to Sutton because, as as you quite rightly point out, I mean, when we finished in the playoffs, they only finished one point below us, didn't they? A, a, a couple of places, but they were only one point behind us. And then last season, and you'll forgive me, I haven't double checked this, but I'm fairly sure they were above us for the majority of the season, bar that late wobble. It, it is very early doors for them, but it, it's tough. The, the next question is, is it a mental challenge considering their relentless approach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really got stuck into the weeds with this one. And I, I thought um, we'll get to it, but Tariq Uakwe spoke really well about this later on. Did, yeah. Um, it is, um, it's, very, it's very much um, a, a similar sense from Mark Flynn in terms of you really do have to be switched on against this team because they're, they're going to make, you know, make things awkward for you and you can't allow them to win all the first and second balls because that's exactly what they're trying to do so it is it is very much a matter of staying switched on and, and doing what you can to to make the game not about what they're trying to do they're going to score the perfect goal this weekend aren't they <laughs> they'll, they'll play a lovely flowing move from the back like um one of those goals we scored under Richie Wellens that 
I think we scored at least one where basically everyone touched the ball. <laughs> Sutton will do one of those. Matt Gray with a big middle finger to the town end or something. Well, or at least to the uh, to the to the media section, just <laughs> just towards you and Andrew, going have some of that. <laughs> just runs up the stairs. Well, that brings us to energy, fan energy at the county grounds. That's where we'll end it. And um, he was complimentary, Michael Flynn, over um, the fans, which was probably the right thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's it's. It hasn't worked. Well, actually, it has worked when managers have criticised the fans, but uh, he's not one to go there quite yet. Um, he's he, he said he's been very pleased with the energy um, so far. With the end of the crew game aside, he, he he did make that exception. I'm not sure he necessarily got too much energy at Doncaster, but um, for obvious reasons, he's you know he's, he said that he, he wants fans to continue bringing that atmosphere that he's been really pleased with. Uh, so far in, in getting behind the team and spurring them on in the, the big physical test against the big the big bad Sutton side they're going to have to play. Joe, do you like strimmers? I love strimmers. They're my favourite. I'm glad you said that because here's the Joe Zone featuring a strimmer. Yeah, um, on Sutton, what are the challenges of playing a team I think last weekend had four players, six foot three and over, especially when your side isn't the tallest? Aerial duels. Aerial duels, picking up second balls. Um... Making sure your man don't get a free header, following runners, there's there's loads. It's um, you know, it's going to be it's a scrappy game, and you know the stats have shown now. They I think they the ball in play, they're down the bottom, um, whereas we're at the top. So it kind of tells you there's two different styles on on that alone, but uh, it's not one style that can win football matches. And Matt has done very well in winning football matches since he's been there. And there's specific things you have to work on in training to try and get them ready for the challenge that Sutton provide. It's, yeah. Like I said, we, we have to work in, on specific things for every game. You know, every team has strengths, every team has weaknesses. We're no different. You know, they'll be doing it their homework on us, say we play and they to stop us or try to stop us. And we've got to do the same to them. Like I said, we've got to make sure we, if we can, you know, if we're getting beat in duels, aerial duels, you know, in their box, we've got to stop it at source. It's as simple as that. Because if we stop the, the ammunition to their, their front men, you know, people like Harry Smith, then he's going to be hopefully ineffective. If we don't, he could have a field day. And it's been a bit of a heat wave this week. Has that made much of a difference to your own preparations and potentially to the game itself? Yeah, I've had to put loads of sun cream on. Um, it's going to be the same tomorrow. So, um, yes, it is unheard of, I think, in September. I think it's we wore tracksuits in August and then could be shorts tomorrow. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then lastly, um, you weren't overly happy with the referees after the Doncaster game, or obviously you were sceptical of some of the new uh, initiatives they were trying to bring in. What have you made of the way games have been refereed so far this season? Uh, I'm not going to go up, but I thought, I thought Saturday was poor, that referee was poor, and the fourth official was even worse. That's it. He, he didn't want to be there. Um, and he didn't contribute to the game in, in any way, shape or form. So... Um, yeah, it's it is what it is, but I'm not going to pigeonhole them all. Um, 
because I've, I think we've had some very, very good refereeing performances this year. Um, so yeah, Saturday, I just thought they were off it. Thank you, Michael. Cheers. So officiating the season is pants, is the summary there. Yeah, I was I was fishing a little bit on this one. He didn't give me exactly what I wanted um, to, as a big uh, Flynn pans refereeing type story, but um, yeah, he's um, he was he said he said oh, it swings and roundabouts. Every official isn't the same, but he was he was not at all pleased at Doncaster, Doncaster which is completely fair because uh, anyone who followed the live blog or was at the game would have noticed that. Every single thing that happened late in the first half was a yellow card or indeed a red card eventually. And it, it really wasn't that type of game. So um, he also said that I think the fourth official didn't want to be there, yeah. which which <laughs> I found a really interesting and pretty funny soundbite as well. Yeah, you can imagine the exchange they must have had. He must have been in his ear for the whole 90 minutes or at least from the 33rd minute or whatever when when it all just went a little crazy. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, I don't think he was actually on the edge of the touchline so much. He was just been sort of lurking at the back of the uh, technical area, yelling at the fourth official. So, how was that a yellow? Give us something. Um, I think they'd have been getting a lot of that because uh, every single Doncaster fan around me um, complained about every single decision that didn't go their way. It did not matter uh, how how obvious it was that it was a, a throw into Swindon. They they would moan about it. So, uh, I think the referees got their, had their work cut out. All the everyone around them all day. The way it should be. Make that referee make decisions. I've always remember listening to a 606, and I was probably still in a phase of my life where I just was like, why do the opposition for why why do people bemoan that decision when it was quite clearly well and this this football fan was on just going to influence the referee. The more you flap wildly and call him an umpty, eventually he's gonna point to the spot for a ridiculous <laughs> decision. So um we're playing our part in the theatre yeah i mean I, I don't think the fans wrong but <laughs> I, I like uh, that there's there's more thought than just blind blind um one-eyed passion to to getting on the referee's back from a fan's perspective i can see a player doing that but i i, I find unlikely a fan puts that much thought into complaining about for decisions oh ye of little faith joe it's hot it's going to be hot this weekend probably want to have a good performance because people get irate in the heat, but they seem well prepped as, as we all heard. Yeah. I mean, this was actually probably the most requested question um, from people on Twitter. They were really excited about the heat wave um, and <laughs> what Michael Flynn may or may not have been doing. Don't worry. He's had plenty of sun cream on and is considering shorts tomorrow. So you personally will be prepared for it, but yeah, it, it did sound like they, they'd be fine. And um Although with all that man marking and pressing, I, re- I reckon there's going to be some some tired, tired legs out there by the end of it. If it's, um, and I mean, I imagine it is going to be the high twenties again tomorrow afternoon. You could hear it uh, beyond the streaming, which hilariously only happened during yours, the very tail end of Andrew, but just yours. The guy just walks. What, what was it? A streamer? Yeah, it was. He, I could see him out the window. He was just sort of doing the very edges of a fence right outside the hall. Just as soon as you pipe up, here it comes. Challenges are playing against the tall side, dealt with it, um, and uh, playing against teams like certain, those specifics and all kind of shrug of the shoulder stuff, which we won't dwell too much on. I mean, it must be a bit weird to Flynn because this probably always happened the other way around, given, the re- <laughs> I mean, his Newport team used to be Sutton, essentially, in terms of 
the way they were fought about. Um, I, I don't know if he necessarily saw, saw that irony in quite the same way, but yeah, it. I mean, it does sound like they've been they've been working pretty hard on on what Sutton are going to be like and. I don't know if they've been giving the players growth hormones this week, but they might need them. Okay, well, we'll move on to the player interviewed for the press, and it was Tariq Uakwe, who sounded a delight, but we it was a firm return to the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sound bites that we're used to when Charlie Austin isn't in the room. Yeah, um, it was this was a bit shorter, largely because they had to set up for people giving blood in the room we were in, so we kind of had to do it quite quickly. A but worthy cause. Yeah, I was I was happy to give way for that. Um, I w- I thought that was fair enough. But, um, I I do have to give praise to um, Chelsea's medium um, handling person because I I personally thought Tariq Iwakwe said some fairly quite interesting things, and I always yes. remember Marcel Lavinia was like that too. So uh, a lot of the Chelsea boys actually come out and speak very well. So someone's doing a good job there. Very concise, but answering the question without it being like, I don't know what to say. It was just, he gave you everything you needed, but not a bit more. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't know if he knew about the blood the blood testing thing, maybe, but maybe. He, was, he was very happy to, to give a good answer, a nice little pull quote in there, and then move on. It was, it was almost perfect, really. Although, I, obviously, we do love the Charlie Austins of this world. Yes, indeed. How's he, how's he doing over on the left? He's loving it over on the left. He's um he's got a well he's getting over his um, lack of match sharpness uh, at the moment. He's he he said it's he's great. Cause it's basically like playing on the left wing with the way Swindon playing at the moment. Um, I, I've mentioned this once or twice already, but Tariq Uakwe, his average position so far, and it was I think it was like this again against Doncaster, was higher than Romeo Hutton's. So he's getting even higher up the pitch. Um, he was he was a big outlet in that Doncaster game as well. So. Um, in terms, of, he was probably getting the ball more than anyone else, and he's he's really enjoying uh, the ability to just play like a winger. Uh, he came in to be a left wing back. He's not doing the back part of that at the moment, and he's he's loving the chance to get those assists. And he's got, I think, one or two already. That was an incredible moment where he's just like it's just like playing left wing. It's amazing. <laughs> Don't do any defending. <laughs> yeah, and the question was there about match sharpness. And it is interesting on on him, actually, because he did have a full season at Crewe, playing almost every game in the league. And isn't it incredible that these young athletes, they miss six weeks and you're in big trouble. I mean, you can keep you can keep yourself healthy, you can keep yourself your cardio, but the actual art of kicking a ball about for 90 minutes, it seems to throw it all out of whack. And he acknowledged that. Yeah, he absolutely did, I think. Uh, those who play football will know that regular fitness is quite different to football fitness. And he was, he, he said he kind of got, when he got into Swindon, he was, he was looking around and thinking, Jesus Christ, everyone here is, <laughs> they're really fit. And I think uh, it's probably more stark at Swindon than everywhere else because of the way Michael Flynn tackled pre-season. But you know, we heard after the crew, the crew game that Uagwe had apologised about where his fitness levels were. And he, he definitely done some introspection about that and where he was. Um, I thought it was very, very interesting to hear that he essentially had expected to stay at Crewe and actually started the first day of pre-season there and then sort of went away and, and things didn't happen. And then he's, he's just sort of on his own and he, he's trying to keep fit, but it's 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 very different, um, as we've heard from a couple of different players um, over the past two seasons uh, about about keeping fit when you're not at a club. And he's um, 
he's, he's certainly been he's certainly found it quite tough the first couple of weeks. I think he's it does sound like he's very much getting there. It feels like he's getting there. His his performance are improving um, game by game at the moment, and he's uh he, he, I think he's over the the bulk of the lack of match fitness by now. Yeah, and as you stated a couple of presses ago, I think you felt that this role was his to lose, wasn't it? He, he hadn't got into the team yet, but. It, he was very much the left wing back in waiting, and and what does he think his role within the team is? Because he was asked about this. Yeah, he's, he, he, he definitely sees that attacking aspect, which I think is what he really has over Ben Ward and uh, Brooklyn Genesini, possibly not Tyree Shade, but uh, I think we're going to see him elsewhere now, based on how he's played so far this season. But I, th- I think Uwakwe's you know, driving runs and ability to offer something on the left like we've had on the right with Romeo Hutton the last season um, is is really what his role is. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's doing really well in terms of getting the ball, getting past a man and putting the ball into the box with regularity. No one has really stopped him doing that so far. And he he's relishing that, um, as, he, as he said, that kind of playing essentially on the wing, um, contributing and contributing in that way and, and being that, that outlet wide on the left that you have to be. Um, when you're playing in quite such an attacking-minded system as a wing-back. Yeah, and and how does Swindon's attacking play compare to what he's experienced at Chelsea, Accrington Stanley and Crew previously in his career? It very much doesn't compare to Accrington Stanley, he said. <laughs> uh, he, he said he felt that was a very different experience for him um, and one he perhaps wasn't ready for necessarily, uh, having been at Chelsea where, um, obviously, probably even more so than Swindon do. Um, um, dominated the ball and would allow him to get forwards, but he was still a fairly versatile player um, back then. And it was the same against Crew Alexander. I looked, I looked today, and he played both of their games against certain last season in central midfield. And I don't think Swindon wanted him to do that. So um, it is kind of that idea where he has that more defined role within within this team, and um, yeah, it, it definitely much closer to the way. Uh, he worked at Chelsea than it has been his two previous EFL sides. I loved how he was calling it Aki Stanley as well. I, I don't know why, I just felt that lovely. Then we moved back to Sutton and the way they play, but he gave us a little bit more insight as a, as somebody who plays against this Sutton side. And I, it, as you said, it was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed um, hearing this insight. He said it was mentally the biggest challenge you can have as a player playing team like Sutton because of how alert you have to be all the time and you know um, get making sure you get onto those first and second contacts and um, it almost sounded like it was a it was like you were playing with a rugby ball or something with, with the, the way you had to react and you know the, he said you had to expect anything to happen in a game against Sutton because because things would kind of just happen at random ricochets would go somewhere you just constantly have to be alert which which maybe you don't have to be against a team that are going to be uh, slightly slower in the way that they play. Yeah. He was asked by Andrew like how big a learning experience this was graduating from the youths and, and playing in the leagues and experiencing this this type of opposition. Yeah, I, I, again, I thought this was kind of interesting. And he said that when you play in the FL Trophy as a under-21 side, I don't know if it was just because Chelsea kept playing Swindon um, around that time or it was... It is more more of a, a thing. He said that you don't necessarily play teams that are quite so direct. Um, a tough couple of teams try and assert the physicality, but it isn't really the same. And then you come into the leagues and there's Sutton and 
uh, a lot of other sides that play that way. Um, you know, we might play against a Cheltenham or someone like that. Um, you know, those those teams that are going to be more direct and very physical and and prove those difficulties. So he, he, it was kind of, you know, from the perspective that in, when you're coming through an elite academy like Chelsea, no one is playing that way. You play it a little bit like that in in the trophy matches, but it is still a big a big um, shock when you end up playing them regularly in the leagues. So I, I think when you, when you think about the way players in those elite academies develop, it, it makes a bit more sense why you know, some players drop a lot further than you would ever expect. Yeah, and and finally, before we go back to the Joe Zone, um, what's impressed him so much? or so far from his time at Swindon? Yeah, well, it's back to that culture that Michael Flynn has talked about a couple of times and wanting um, everyone everyone to be having a good time with each other and getting them through each other, through things. He's, uh, I think, every player so far, as you would expect, but they don't always have to bring it up. But they, they have all so far said that they they really like all the players and all the staff, and they've, they've been very helpful to him, as, as, as we said, in terms of him getting to that match sharpness. Um, and really helping him get there in the time because obviously he comes in the day before Swindon play Colchester, um, so he, he wasn't really around for any of preseason. But uh, he's, he's allowed him to settle in very quickly, which is something we've heard from quite a few players already. Let's have a very bite-sized Joe zone. I just want to ask about that building up the match <coughs> fitness. Did you come in and not necessarily realise where you would be because obviously you we're going to start the first couple of games? Yeah, so it was like um, for me, it was just. It was a big shock because obviously I'd never missed pre-season before anywhere I've been. So when I came in, it was just really about what I could do to get to the level that I needed to be at. So when I played, it was the first game, I saw how like, fit Hearts was and I thought, wow, like, I know the level that I need to get to. So it's just about building to that. No, missing your first pre-season, what was that experience like? It was a lot different to me because... Um, I wasn't actually gonna leave uh, crew, so the way it all happened was a bit weird and went in on the first day and didn't end up going back in and was a bit like, oh, I don't really know what's gonna happen now. So I was doing stuff at home, but doing stuff at home by yourself to then coming into a group and then doing that stuff, you see uh, you see the difference and how much people benefit from being in an environment and getting in that group training early. So it was, it was crazy to be fair. And yeah, a return to that that fitness and missing preseason, and it, it really, you know, just generally the whole chat was really interesting about like just what missing six weeks can do. It, it's it's remarkable. Yeah, I always really enjoy these chats when we have have them in pairs, which we have done a couple of times, uh, just just by the nature of Swindon's business being quite late sometimes, and players players like Michael Flynn talks about holding out a little bit terms of where they want to move so you know it's it's nice it's interesting to hear how players have to react and because you know, because um Uakwe was supposed to start against Colchester and then did start against Peterborough um so it was interesting you know maybe his perception of where he was fitness wise was was quite different to where where he actually was when he when he was around actual footballers again which which, which is, he does seem to very much be thankful to be back around them because it, it does feel very tough when you're having to train by yourself all the time. Well, here's hoping he puts in a sterling performance against Sutton this weekend. Time for predictions and then we'll go home. So in terms of the league, if we take a, take away the fact that you're a freak of nature when it comes to prediction, predicting cup games, 
if we if we put it just down to the league, I'm four two up. Um, I'm going for a three two win. I'm going to keep the one goal will be a you know one goal margin for the win. Um, you've all scared me. I mean, I predicted four nil Swindon on the Sutton podcast without, and that was really you know I was just being mischievous. Um, I'd love to see it though, but I'm going three two. What you going for? Well, you tip me off this 2-1 trend now, but I'm going to say 2-1 to Sutton. They've not oh. won at the county ground yet, and they've not won in a while, aside from that Mott's County game. It feels like it might be time, and I think you said that I predicted a win every time so far. You have, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to dip out of that now and see if, see if we, I can spur us on to win by uh, going in a different direction, because they say maybe my league form isn't as good as, as the Cups would have you believe. It's been a busy week. There's been ad for articles and clarification. There's been big rumours of Rob Angus, CEO, leaving the club. There's been a trust update about the the questions posed to the club weeks ago that haven't been answered yet because they'll get to it when they're ready. And you're going to predict a 2-1 loss in this weather? What do you want? You just, you're doing this for column inches. I'm craving the chaos this week. I think I'll, I'll steer into it. No, I'm, I think possibly Joe predicts Sutton to beat Swindon isn't necessarily on the level as the other stuff it's the aftermath i'm referring to if we if we lose this one it's gonna i i fear a little bit of a flappy flappiness yeah i i i think fear will will very much quickly turn into reality if that does happen but i've got to fill the back pages somehow next week rich yeah with a glorious win with last gas victory like last year or just just three beautiful points that will only do me for one day. If there's a meltdown, I can do a couple of articles on that. See, it's just easier, basically. Oh, you've changed, Joe, but I suppose I should be grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. <laughs> the Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music for the presser is provided by the awesome Drag Me Down, and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. Come on, Fridget. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.